0: Or simply download the CCCIV app. You'll find the direct link to the app at www.ccciv.org forward slash get the app. Or when you text CCCIV APP to 77977.
1: All right, good morning, church. I hope you're well this morning. You know, I'm at that age where I'm old enough where I didn't get the conveniences or didn't have the luxury of the conveniences of cell phones that had cameras when my children were first born. So because of that, I don't have pictures, as many pictures as I would like of my children. But I see some of you, don't think I don't see some of you young parents out there that are watching today that already have Instagram accounts set up for your toddlers, right? They're going to inherit that one day. They're going to be really happy because they're going to have all kinds of pictures of themselves growing up. I didn't have that luxury, and, and I wish I had had that luxury, because if I could go back, I would take pictures and record everything, all of those life moments, those transitional moments in my toddlers, in my children's lives. Some of the my favorite memories are watching my children eat something or trying something for the very first time, like the first time you gave them a slice of lemon, right? And you remember that face that they made. They puckered their lips, and they kind of you know, squinted their eyes, and you know, it's kind of like their face collapsed on itself just for a moment because it was so sour, or like the first time you gave them a pickle, or maybe the first time they tried chocolate, and you you know, they got chocolate all over their faces. Toddlers interact with the world through their mouths a lot of times because they're trying to discover what is good to eat. See, the Lord has given us a system in our bodies, a sensory system with which we interact with the world, and we use our five senses. We have five senses. You've got Sight, you've got hearing, you've got your smell, you've got taste, and you've got touch. And we use those five senses to take in information from our environment and from the world around us. So we receive stimulus through those five senses. Our system, our central nervous system, relays that up to our brain. Our brain interprets that stimulus that is coming in and it makes a decision on how we should respond to that particular environment, that particular setting. This is how we connect. In the physical world, this is the way God created us. Biologically, this is what happens. These stimulus come in. The central nervous system relays them to the brain. The brain makes decisions, and then we respond accordingly. If something's hot, we don't touch it. We remove our hands. If something doesn't smell good, we pinch our noses. If something doesn't look right, maybe we turn away. These are the ways that we respond to the environment around us physically, right? We have these senses. As I was reading this text ...this week that we're going to be looking at. And Lord willing, we're going to complete all of chapter 7. So those of you that are out there watching today, go get a pillow, go get a blanket, go get comfortable... ...because we're going to complete all of chapter 7. I promise it won't take too long. But we're going to complete all of chapter 7. And as I read through this, what the Lord kind of spoke to me, showed to me... ...is that, hey, look, there are five spiritual senses here that God has given us... ...that He's challenging us to use, that He wants us to be able to process... ...the stimulus that we receive through these five senses... And that we learn how to respond accordingly. And so as we read through this text, I want you to take note of these five senses. The first sense that we're going to look at is the sense of belonging. So if you're taking notes or if you're following along, pull out your piece of paper, pull out your pencil and write that down. It's a sense of belonging. Pick it up in Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, Okay, again, he's kind of like refocusing in on his audience here. Like, these are people who should understand what God's law says. He's kind of honing in on these people. Look, you know the law. You know the Torah. You know the commandments. You understand these things, right? He goes on. He says, those, I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law her, to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage. Now, in these days, women were not afforded the luxury of being able to divorce their husbands. Husbands could divorce their wives, but wives legally, according to Old Testament tradition, they could not divorce their husbands. Oftentimes, they were trapped in loveless, thankless, abusive marriages, and that's the way it was, right? And so here he's saying, look, you know what the law says. A married woman is bound by law to her husband while the husband's alive, But if her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage. The only hope that the wife had to be relieved from that or delivered from that loveless marriage was that her husband would die. Then she would be free to marry again. Look at verse 3 here. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. All right, look at verse four. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law, but through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who's been raised from the dead. Now, time out there, pause there just for a moment. Only hope that this woman would have to be able to be released from that thankless, loveless marriage was that her husband would die. There's kind of an analogy that Paul is painting between ourselves and our relationship to the law, that we are bound by that law as long as that law is alive. Now, here's the thing, you and I understand, the law is going nowhere. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain forever. The law is there. He came, he fulfilled the law. He came and he completed the law. But that law, those commands are still there. Our only hope to be delivered from that law, to be delivered from that relationship, is that we die. And that's exactly what happens. Again, last chapter, chapter 6, we looked at the idea of being baptized, that when we're baptized, With Christ, that we identify with the death when we come out of the water, that we're walking out of the tomb with Jesus. Our hope for deliverance from the law is that we die to the law, that we're the ones who die so that we can be free to marry another, that we can now belong to another. Did you catch that? That you might be able to belong to another. Now, this is a beautiful thought, a beautiful idea here because this word in the Greek is the same word that we read in John chapter 3 about being born again. It's the same exact word that you might belong or that you might be born again or come into existence or become one with another. So this is literally what this is saying, that you are now this sense that you have, you have this sense of belonging that you never had before. You had this awesome uh, kind of awkward relationship with the law, But now that has changed. Now you belong no longer to the law, no longer bound by the law, no longer shackled by the law, no longer bound by your sin, but you have a relationship and now you belong to somebody else. Now you belong to another. Now you've been born to another or become one with another. It's a beautiful analogy that Paul is painting here, right? Now, you look around the world today and I think all of us are longing for a sense of belonging. We want someplace where we can feel like we fit in. Some place where we feel like we're accepted, someplace where we feel like we're understood. And it's very difficult today, especially today in the age of the quarantine and the lockdown, and we're not feeling as connected as we used to, as connected as we would like. We feel really estranged from relationships that were important to us. But nonetheless, we're seeking and searching for this idea of belonging. And if you take a quick glance across the landscape of our country today, if you watch the news for even five minutes, you'll see that throughout the world, throughout our country, people are longing to fit in somewhere. There's like this groaning within them saying that this world is not where I belong. This world does not make me content. This world does not bring me peace. I don't feel like I fit here In this world there must be something more and whether or not you agree with how that comes out or how that really Finds its way through their actions or their words or what's happening what they're doing in the news That's beside the point. The point is they don't feel comfortable here in their own skin They don't feel like they fit in here in this world. They don't feel like they belong Here what paul is saying is that you have to understand this first sense that we're looking at is you now have a sense of belonging You have a place where you fit in Paul would say to the church in Philippi, he would say that our citizenship is not in heaven. This is not where we belong. This is not what we should be living for. If all of our hopes, if all of our dreams, if all of our aspirations are tied to things of this world, it's temporary and one day it will be gone. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, all that we see will be dissolved with a fervent heat and will be no more. This world is not our home. Our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is in heaven. The author of Hebrews put it this way. He said in Hebrews 13, 14, he says, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. I I don't feel like I fit in anywhere here. I don't feel like I belong anywhere here. This city is not my city. I'm looking for a city that is to come. My hope is in a city that is yet to come, a city that is in eternity, a city that is in the presence of, of Jesus, that is where I belong, the author of Hebrews said. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 24, he says, and because lawlessness will be increased, or because lawlessness will abound, and again, you look around at our country today, you watch the news for just a little while today, lawlessness is abounding, lawlessness is increasing, because of that, the love of many will grow cold, their hearts will become hardened, their hearts will become stale, but verse 13, but The one who endures to the end will be saved. That word endure means to remain under, but it's a compound word from two Greek words. The first word meaning uh, away from or to pull away from, and the second word meaning to dwell or to be at home. And so when you take this compound word and you look at their two root words for this compound word in the Greek, From where we get this word endure, it literally means to pull away from your dwelling, to pull away from your home. And Jesus says, the one who pulls away from this world, the one who looks away from the things that this world has to offer, the riches and the power and the wealth and all of those temptations that the world is throwing at you, the one who spurs those things, who turns away from those things to the end is the one who will be saved. The one who understands that this world is not his home, that's the one who will be saved. This world is not my home. We all have this desire, this longing. We're yearning, we're moaning, we're grieving, we're mourning over the fact that we don't feel like we fit in here. The scripture even says that creation itself groans for the day of redemption, the day that everything can be made right, the day that everything is put back into its place, and that's what my heart yearns for as well. I don't know if you guys remember an old show back from the 80s, and I'm dating myself here called Cheers, and the intro to the song, many of you know it right by heart, right away, but wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. That's what our hearts are yearning for. That's what we're longing for deep within our souls somewhere. So what I want to do right now is I want to tell you four ways in which you are belonging To the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Four ways in which you are connected to God. Four ways in which you can say, this is where I belong. My home is not this earth. I belong with the Lord. My home is with him. My dwelling place is with him. My peace and my rest and my satisfaction is with him. Right? The first being this, that you belong to the good shepherd. If you're taking notes, again, write that down. You belong to the good shepherd. The scripture says this in Psalm chapter 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his We are His people and the sheep of his pasture, that we belong to the sheepfold of God, that we're one of his sheep, that he, Jesus himself said in John chapter 10, that he is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd, and he lays his life down for his sheep, that he is the door for the sheepfold, and you can't come into that sheepfold unless you come through him. He goes on and he says, I have many sheep, and my sheep know my voice. And they follow me. The scripture says that God is such a good shepherd that he leaves the 99 to follow after the one sheep that has gone astray to bring them back into the sheepfold. You belong to the Lord. You belong to a part of his sheepfold. You're a part of that community. That is where you belong. That is where you will find satisfaction and rest. So if you're taking notes, again, you belong to the good shepherd. Secondly, I want you to take note of this. You have a desire to be connected. You're meant to feel connected. You're meant to be attached. Jesus said in John chapter 15 that you should abide in him. Again, there's that root word that we're talking about, meno, in the Greek, and it means to be connected. It means to be attached to you. And Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches and you can't bear fruit unless you abide in me. Unless you're connected with me, you can't do anything that will bring me glory. There's no way you can unless you're abiding in the vine, unless you're attached to the vine, unless the vine is your source of strength and nourishment, right? You have to abide in the vine. The scripture says in Colossians chapter 2 that Jesus is the head, and we, the rest of us, are the body, and that we should be nourished and knit together with joints and ligaments and grow together with one another, that we're like a body that should be knit together, joined together, a beautiful picture of our connectedness. And again, because of our current climate, because of what's going on with coronavirus, and because we're all told that we need to shelter in place, that we shouldn't even take our families to the grocery store, we feel more disconnected than we ever have before. It's difficult, my friends, not just for you, it's difficult for us who are on staff here as pastors to not feel connected to you, the sheep, to not feel like we can spend time together in celebration of what God has done with one another here in a physical space. It's very difficult for us, and truth be told, it's been getting worse for a while now, hasn't it? Technology for all its blessings has also brought with it many cursings. How many of you have children in your home and, you know, you can sit around the dinner table and everyone's on their phones checking their Facebook or their Instagram or their TikTok or whatever it might be, right? And we're so disconnected. I've seen pictures of youth in the same room and they're communicating with one another electronically and they're in the same room together, right? We feel so disconnected as a people, but we're meant to feel connected. We're meant to feel like there's a place that we belong, like there's a place that we can call home. And even though this world is not our home, amongst God's sheep, amongst God's people, amongst the vine, we're supposed to be connected to Jesus and Jesus brings us all together, holds us all together. We have to do what we can to make sure that we facilitate an idea of connectedness or a feeling of connectedness today that happens in your homes. You need to make sure that you're intentional about being connected with the people within your home, that the people within your home know that you find it important to spend time with them, to stay connected to Jesus together with them. You have to make sure that you're intentional about reaching out to other family members that maybe you haven't been able to see because, you you know, you're sheltering in place or you're trying to abide by the guidelines that the government has put in place and you want to make sure that you're not spreading sickness. Well, you need to make sure that you're intentional about letting those people know that you want to stay connected. Same thing with here at the church. That's why life groups are so important because we want you, even though we can't dwell together in the same physical space today, we want you to stay connected with God's people, stay connected to Jesus, the vine. That's the only way you'll be fruitful in life is if you're connected to Jesus. So you belong to the good shepherd. You're meant to feel connected. The third thing we hinted to it already, alluded to it already, is that you belong to the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. That's who you are. Jesus is the head and you are the body and if you are taking notes i'd encourage you later on for homework go and read first Corinthians chapter 12 so you can see how important the body is to the head how important we are as a part of god's plan as a part of god's work go and read Romans chapter 12 and read how important you are As a part of the work of god read how god has equipped you and furnished you and blessed you with spiritual gifts and talents That he wants you to use to bring blessings to the life of the rest of the church You see my friends you yourself you're a piece of a puzzle You're a puzzle piece that if you don't come and connect with the rest of the body If you don't come and connect with the body of christ the body is incomplete My body will not function the same if I remove a kidney or if I have no liver, or if I take out my heart, or if even I lose one of my fingers, my body doesn't function the same. In the same sense, if you disconnect yourself from the body of Christ, it's not only you who are suffering, it's the entire body that is suffering. You are the puzzle piece that completes this body of Christ. You're that one piece. God has blessed you and equipped you with gifts that he hasn't equipped other people with. And the purpose of those gifts is to come in to the midst of a setting amongst the saints of God and to say, here, I'm going to use my gifts. I'm going to use my blessings to bless God's people, to perform my role in the midst of the body of Christ. That is a sense of belonging. That's where you feel like I find fulfillment in life because I see that there's some purpose for me. There's something, some reason for my living, some reason that I'm here. Now, I want you to take note here. Let me read this to you one more time. Verse four. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law. You died. The law didn't die. The law didn't go anywhere. You died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong or be born to, right, or become one with another to him who's been raised from the dead. You belong to Jesus. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 14. It says, for if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. We belong to the Lord. The scripture says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought. You were purchased with a price, so glorify God in your body. So you belong to the good shepherd. You're meant to feel connected. You belong to the body of Christ. But the fourth thing is you belong to the bride of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. You're a part of the bride of Christ. And you belong to the Lord who purchased you, who redeemed you with his blood, not with silver or gold which perishes, but with the precious blood of a lamb without spot or without blemish. That is what Jesus gave in order to purchase your hand in marriage. See, there's something called the mohar, which was an agreement that the groom would make with the bride's father. And it was basically a monetary gift that was given saying, I intend to take your daughter as my own. Here's a gift for you so that I can receive your daughter in marriage. What Jesus gave so that he could purchase you, he gave his life upon a cross. That is how loved you are. Jesus purchased you with his blood hanging upon a cross. Paul says, I'm jealous for you with the jealousy because I've betrothed you as a pure chaste virgin to one who is to come to the Christ. I've engaged you to Jesus, Paul said. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul said that that husbands should love their wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us And who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit as a guarantee in our hearts. That word seal, it's a mark of ownership. It's a mark of attesting to authenticity, saying that this is someone who's real, right? It was a stamp or a seal that they would put on property saying that this belongs to me. And in the same sense, God has given us the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent his Holy Spirit and said, here, I'm giving you the Spirit as a seal, as a sign of ownership, that you are betrothed to me, that you are my bride, just like an engagement ring. You are engaged to me. That Spirit was given as a seal, as a guarantee, as a promise that Jesus is going to come back and he's going to bring with him something even better. You are the bride of Christ. This is your sense of belonging. Again, we're discussing this. We're saying there's some spiritual senses that God has equipped you with. You need to take in the stimulus from these spiritual senses, and you need to make a decision how you're going to respond to that spiritual environment. Your first sense is a sense of belonging. Your second sense is a sense of purpose. Read on with me in Romans chapter 7. Again, looking at the second portion there of verse 4. You belong to another, to him who's been raised from the dead. Look at this. In order that we might bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive so that we should serve in a new way of the spirit and not the old way of the written code. Your second sense is a sense of purpose. God says to you, you belong to me, you belong, you're a part of my body, you're a part of my bride, you're to be connected to me, you're a part of the sheepfold. But secondly, he wants you to see today is you need to have a sense of purpose, that there's a reason for your being here. People struggle with this, especially in times like today, where maybe you have a little bit too much free time, and maybe your schedule has come to a grinding halt, and maybe your social life isn't what it used to be, and it's caused a lot of introspection, and a lot of digging deep, and a lot of looking down deep into your heart, and that question is bound to come up in each of us at some point in times in our life, and the question is, what am I here for? Why am I here? What purpose? do I serve? Well, here, this text is telling you, you're here to bear fruit for God. That is your purpose. Again, Jesus says, if you're not connected to me, you can't bear fruit. If you're not connected to me, your life cannot be fruitful. But your purpose here today is to bear fruit. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 8. He said, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. My father's glorified. People's eyes are turned to him. He receives the attention that he deserves when you bear fruit. You're shining a spotlight on your father in heaven when people see you bearing fruit. This is what the text is saying. When that happens, you prove to be a follower of mine, Jesus says. Now, interestingly, that word prove is the same word in the Greek that we saw for the word belong the same word that we see in the Greek for the word to be born again. It's the same word to have a sense of belonging, to be born, that you are there proving that you're a part of God's family, that you're connected to him, that you're a part of that vine. You prove your place. You are meant, listen to me, you are meant to bear fruit.
0: Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. our website at www.ccciv.org or simply download the ccciv app. You'll find the direct link to the app at www.ccciv.org forward slash get the app or when you text ccciv app to 77977.